here is the heart of the existential crisis. It's this pervading anxiety that overtakes us. However, the anxiety isn't produced by those things in life that happen to us, but rather by our reactions to those things in life that happen to us. Um, it is not so much the, the uh, actions of otherness imposing itself upon us, but rather our innerness that consumes that otherness and takes it as something completely other which has penetrated our very soul and our very being. And it's that penetration. This otherness lives on the interior of our very selves. And it like it's like a, a festering disease that um, we keep within ourselves, and yet at the same time we recognize it to be um, other. And it's a feeling of a lack of control um, that, that continues to grow within us. And because there is this lack of control, not just within us, but with that, that everything operates in this sort of chaotic scheme, um, including now this infestation of otherness that, that is now inside of us. And so because this thing has a complete and other and, and, and utter lack, uh, lack of control, um, we think that it can impose its own sort of will, although of course otherness being that it has no control has no exact will per se, but that it has uh, it operates almost by its own rules and standards, and we have no control over it. Now, my argument is is this is that clearly, of course, we need not to try to curb the actions of otherness or the praxis of otherness um, acting upon our innerness, but we need to take that otherness uh, when it enters us and truly make it a part of us, truly give it um, some some sort of identity within us. Um, we need to to make it to to make it a joint portion um, of our innerness. So otherness becomes the innerness, and vice versa. And then soon there is no distinguishing um, other from inner. Uh, even though, of course, things that, that do happen upon us and happen to us can't be conti- entirely controlled. They can be sort of malleable in a way so that, um, you know, ju- just because something happens doesn't mean that we have to um, expose ourselves to it necessarily. One can get a diagnosis and an 
non-beneficial or a bad diagnosis of an actual disease that exists uh, within us. And either a person can take that and be totally consumed by it and and live as though now I am a sick person Um, or one can ignore it completely and uh, go on as usual Um, and even though in the end that illness may in fact kill us the, the, the anxiety towards it, that thing that, that gives us this existential angst, this, this panic, this nausea, um, can be completely dispelled. Um, and even, even the most severe and devastating prognosis can be turned into something positive on the interior, but also it can be taken and be extracted in the objective exterior world as well. Um, I, I, I think that there needs to be said something about subjectivity and objectivity in dealing with innerness and otherness. And, and that's really what we, we mean when we say um, innerness. We mean subjectivity and otherness is objectivity. So I, I think we need to change our view on what objectivity is, um, if it even exists at all. I think that, that we need to to realize that, that objectivity has a certain life, but is entirely fueled by our inner comprehensions of it and what it is that we do with those things that, that we take from the world um, within our within our own beings um, because every time there is of course a double reflection every time we take something in we after a certain period uh, regurgitate it we process it and regurgitate it um, back into the world and it's this regurgitation process that gives us the sort of nauseous indigestion that so many philosophers have spoken about so what we need to do is to find some sort of pill or cure um, for this maldigestive cycle and I think what is best for that, the, the, the best prescription for that, is to realize that we think that we are not no longer in control um, when this invasion of otherness penetrates, subsumes, and captures us. We think that we have lost control to something out there beyond ourselves. But if we had a more spiritual, maybe more mystical, it doesn't have to be spiritual in the kind um, of dogmatic uh, sort of telos or, or godship, 
or, or anything like that. But if we, we simply, I mean, one can be spiritual and one can be and be an atheist. One can be an, uh, an atheistic spiritualist. Um, but if you realize a sort of entropy between yourself and the world, then what happens to that loss that, that loss of control is discarded um, or if it's not discarded it, at least at least it's more manageable when, when we drive or operate a machine it, it's the machine might be other than us and it might have different functions than us and might act in a completely different way but but when you are in control of the machine you you can make it do certain things um, in fact you can in most instance, instances even shut it off um, or be completely melded into that machine um, into a sort of relationship where yourself and the machine are almost or any any exterior object, whether it be an instrument, um, some sort of utensil, anything. It's an extension of, of us. And it's the way that we use that extension. It's the way we give it its own life rather than it giving us life. That gives us maybe not control completely because even though this angst comes partially out of a lack of control and a loss of of hope um, it's not entirely about control in the way um, we would steer a car to have it go precisely where we wish it to or, or direct a laser beam into making a precise cut but it is that we work with this exterior element um, and meld with it in a way that uh, it acts upon us and we can give it a positive benefiting beneficial uh, response because of course in a loss of control ultimately means a loss of life and the pervading anxiety is always at the end of the day the fear of death and this because of the ultimate loss of control the fear of death and when we extricate that fear or I suppose words like extrication or control or malleability are not even proper it is again a way to deal with those sorts of elements um, it is a way to exist, simply exist with them to be with them um, and it's okay in, in a way to be influenced by them and in a way it is okay to influence them but but it is simply to have this calm existence with them which is our goal and as, as human beings generally 
and in order to do that we need to be more accepting that we can maintain control um, not control but can maintain this sort of positive relationship with otherness um, and that it's not a simple, simple it's not a matter of simply adjusting or attuning one's mind it's more so a matter of adjusting one's ontology or actual being in the world um, because mind at the end of the day has very little to do with it it's, it's a mode of existence not a mind frame and this mode is, is the only thing at the end of the day um, that can bring us towards the beneficial relationship um, that we seek to have with otherness because when we are younger there is a sort of adolescent mentality um, about the world that we have that we are in control of it or that maybe more so that we are simply only concerned about ourselves and so there isn't much of anotherness yes we interact with otherness but it never really penetrates us it's we cry because we want milk we don't care where the milk comes from we don't care if it's contaminated or how old it is or if it gets us sick we just know that we want it it's a biological response it's something primal and natural and we get and once that satisfaction uh, concresses and comes to completion um, then then we're happy um, but as, as we grow up a little bit I suppose depending and I know there are certain exceptions to this um, based on people's childhood but um, a lot of the times there this this selfish attitude persists um, and so from a very early age we learn me 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 and me and the world and me 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 um, and I wouldn't disagree that we're not biologically set up to do that but I would disagree with the way that we perceive ourselves as existing with with the world um, rather than within it as it is with uh, within us um, because that the latter is, is simply not not spoken of or if it is it's sort of written off as new age um, bullshit basically and what what needs to happen is um, we have to recognize that that there is this sort of primal relationship with the world that we continue to perpetuate and um, you know as young children and as adolescents we are very very self-centered and very focused on our own needs and in that way we sort of control the world and I'm not talking that we control the actual objective world we control the subjective world nothing penetrates our 
the walls we've built around ourselves, whether this is done biologically or socially or is it at some point a construction of both. When we are younger, we control and we are only concerned on how this this natural or this this uh, subjectiveness operates and we are that, that it's why it's so rare to to find a child who's concerned about um you know raising you know who who starts a lemonade stand um to benefit, you know, less fortunate children. I mean, you know, you see very few of that, and if you do see any of those kinds of programs, normally they're they're started by adults. So there are very few children who who think outside of themselves. Um, and of, uh, but at a certain age and a certain time, with certain experiences in life, we begin to realize that there is something more powerful out there beyond us. That there is something that. Um, we feel controls us, that we feel takes us from that comfortable realm of selfishness, and it brings us into its world and sort of makes us lose our very, as we come to see it, fragile identity. And it scares us very badly because we see that we are so influenced by it that we are basically slaves to it. And we are caught up in it. We are completely dependent on it. It makes us we do not make it. It makes us. If it is beneficial to us, we, in our double reflection, in our in our digestion and regurgitation, are then happy. If it is cruel to us, we, in our digestive double reflection, are unhappy. So there is a relationship that begins to build that is not entirely healthy due to the inherent tendency of its nature. Because our role is as slave to it. So here is where I'm talking about a more spiritual understanding of things and and here is where this underlining uh, I hate to use the word religiosity but I suppose spirituality comes more more prominently to the the fray Um, we have to realize that there is this break from our adolescent understanding and 
I'm not advocating that we go back to an adolescent relationship far from it. What I am advocating is that we do, of course, encourage this recognition of otherness. That we do encourage this realization that there is something out there. However, we treat it not as something we are disconnected from, but something that we are continually and forever growing in a relationship with. And that that growth is the only thing that we should, uh, as far as this matter is concerned, strive to to achieve is is just growth with it. We don't. There's no precise end goal. There's no crowning achievement per se. So achieve is the wrong word there. But there is the, the need to exist peacefully with it. Um, otherwise, this angst of otherness uh, will prevail and dominate and obscure our true selves and our true nature which is the thing we are actually striving for all along because in our true nature hides the secret of everything everything